Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the business journals of Texas. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. And by Independent Financial, banking for business, banking for life. In this episode, Austin Business Journal Managing Editor Will Anderson explores the future of Austin Skyline with Kirksey Architecture EVP and Director for Central Texas, David Dalton. David, thanks so much for joining us on the Texas Business Minds podcast. How are you? Good, Will. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, you guys are a pretty prevalent architecture firm here in town, handling things like uh, the East Side Village offices on in East Austin, worked on the Cirrus Logic headquarters, were involved with the Capitol Complex expansion, which, small plug, is a nominee for our 2023 Commercial Real Estate Awards, that big, beautiful mall that's opened up in those office buildings. So welcome to the podcast. And uh, did I miss anything? Anything else we should know about uh, anything else that Kirksey's worked on? Oh, uh, as of... Today, no, you've, you've hit a, a bunch of good ones. We'll, we'll talk about some more as we go through, but the TFC project was definitely the big one. That's that's really kind of what ushered us into, into Austin. Oh, interesting. Right, because the office opened in 2018, right? The Austin office? Yeah. So Kirksey itself, we've been around for 51 years. And so back in around 2017, we started getting more work in Austin and realized that it was a necessity for us and our clients to open an office. And so as an ownership group, we kind of sat around and asked who wanted to go to Austin. And I was one that raised my hand to come here and help start the, the new office back in 2018. So it's been a very exciting journey. A common story we've heard about companies seeing economic opportunity in Austin, wanting to be a part of big projects, big companies that were you know making a push here. Um, although kind of you know prior to the current most recent wave, but as I tell everyone here in Austin, We've just been growing perpetually uh, since the founding of the city just about, you know, a couple hundred years ago. So um, continue to attract companies and people and, and Kirksey exemplifies that. I think so. I, it was an easy shift for us because culturally Austin is it's just this very laid back town. I think that's what everyone is so attracted to when they move here. And our culture is a lot like we have a lot of great, talented people. But we also believe that we're easy to work with. And when you combine those two things, we, we believe that as an architect firm, as a design entity, that it makes us easy to work with. And you're director of Central Texas and one of the leaders of the office here, correct? Correct. So my day-to-day interaction here is uh, always looking for pursuits that we want to go after as far as projects, recruiting great talent, meeting other great people. Uh, we really... Look for great clients to work with. Uh, those great clients turn into great projects would then turn into the necessity of, of finding talented people that become part of our firm. And then mentorship, I, you know, it's, I cover a, a large gamut of activities we do here. Uh, and all of that while trying to maintain our culture that we hold sacred uh, to make sure that we're doing the best we can. So on that note, how big is Kirksey? How, how big is the office here? Good question. So uh, here in Austin, we are now at 16 soon to be 19. We're actually actually expanding uh, next door. Uh, so we've got an additional 1,500 square feet that is currently under construction. So if you guys hear any hammers in the background, very sorry. Then our Houston office is 140 people. And then our Dallas acquisition that happened back in January has another, I think, 18 or 19 people. So grand total, the firm is 180-ish, a little bit over 180. So I wouldn't say we're 
We're not a small little firm anymore. Covering all corners of Texas, uh, this is the Texas Business Minds podcast. You guys also handle San Antonio projects out of this Austin office, right? You cover all the all four big metro areas. Correct. And part of when we moved here, uh, TFC was one big project that we had, but we also had some great San Antonio work down at the Pearl and worked with a great client with Credit Human uh, for the South Tower there at the Broadway Complex. Uh, and then everyone at the Pearl that has really taken an area down to San Antonio and revitalized it in a way that I think no one really imagined. And it's been this great cultural hub for, for them, uh, you know, just north of downtown San Antonio. Yeah, Pearl's a really intriguing development down there. Was that a former brewery, right? Now mixed use and, uh, and, and kind of brought all this history to life in a, in a modern way. Yeah, exactly. I, they've, they've done a great job with maintaining a level of quality there, along with some great adaptive reuse projects. And so being creative with structures and entities that are there that got a great sustainability story as well. So I know something that Kirksey is passionate about, you're passionate about, is sustainability. And I wonder what that looks like in architecture. I think we we take it for granted now. Sustainability is talked about so much in real estate and architecture. But what does it mean to you, I guess? That's, ooh, we're, we're, we may need more than 20 minutes. Uh, Start, starting with the big, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> so for us, I, it's sustainability is really from beginning to end in our process. Uh, we always begin with a sustainable thought, I believe, when we design our projects. And then it's just the understanding and the magnitude of, what higher performing buildings provide to our environment, to our clients, and the joy you get when you get to design a a project that that meets those marks. You know, kind of turning back to where we're talking about Credit Human and and the Pearl projects that we had, that was a 170,000 square foot project, brand new class A office building. Uh, But that project in itself uh, versus a class A office building, you know, a a brand new office building that you'd see built uh, uses 97% 97% less water than the Class A office building uses 96% less energy than a Class A office building. And so to get to that level, you have to have a client that's willing and understands the metrics of creating a high-performing building that reduces its use of energy. Uh, you need a great team who understands the different building technologies that go into that. And then I think more than anything else, you have to be willing to have some trial and error. Uh, when you get into projects that carry a lot of complexities. You need to be willing to take chances, understand where you're headed. And if you stumble a little bit, it's fine because the end goal is to create this building that uses less energy, um, uses less carbon, and still is a useful building. And then on top of it, you make it a beautiful structure. So those are some great points you got into. There's things like building uh, techniques and materials that go into sustainability, right? It's um, it's Mm -hmm. conservation of resources. It's uh, the waste byproducts, even operations of the building. As far as the HVAC, you know, I've seen buildings that kind of create water features using recondensed water, things like that. So I think there are very obvious ways that sustainability sh- appears in architecture, but there are less obvious ways too, kind of beneath the surface. And to your point, maybe that starts, you know, f- from the very beginning of the development process nowadays. Yeah, it, I think, you know, somebody, you may drive on the highway and see a project that, uh, does water reclamation and you have a big water tower out in front of it. Uh, and so that's kind of always that symbol that you see that, oh, that, you know, that building reclaims water. But, you know, when, when you're approaching a project, the, the overall technology within the building is, is really what helps drive the best solution. And you can handpick different things that go into it, but between EMEP systems, um, you know, you could go a variety of directions. 
You can have a mechanical system that utilizes geothermal energy, that uses less energy, and also has better indoor air quality by introducing more outside air. So these things are holistic. And so it takes a lot of effort to put all those ideas on the table and then kind of choose your adventure uh, in understanding how these systems tie together uh, to create uh, one solution that is really useful. This might sound kind of silly, but I think it's kind of a useful point, like a starting point for these conversations. Like, why does it matter if a building is sustainable? Maybe that's obvious, but um, but yeah, what? how would you answer that? The short answer to that, it's the right thing to do. When we create buildings, and keep in mind, I mean, buildings, you know, they use the energy consumption in the United States. It's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 38, 30-something percent. So a third of energy you're, you're using as a population is in buildings. And so when you design buildings that use less energy and you use materials that require less energy to make them, you're creating a better environment. You're creating a more sustainable environment for everybody to live within and, and you're protecting natural resources that as we grow as a group, Texas is you know at the forefront of that as, as our state grows, yeah. uh, we're, being, we're being responsible with everything around us. And I think it's, it's a tribute to we take a lot of things to create buildings and create our environments and to give back is probably number one. I was surprised when I learned about the large amount of uh, carbon emissions tied to real estate sequestered into the construction and then obviously from, from operations. I think what I read was like 40% of emissions were tied to construction and real estate combined. DWS, I saw that, DWS mm-hmm. in 2020 or something like that. Um, so as, right. as a single sector quite a lot uh, comes from that. So if you're, you know, if we're talking about sustainability, climate change, comfort, even to your point, when in air quality became such a, a topic since the onset of the pandemic, it really is tied up into our built environment in ways that a lot of us might not have even thought too much about. Yeah, I agree. When we think about moving forward with buildings in the future, we want to create environments that are responsive to all those things. And, you know, when you mentioned you know, kind of carbon footprint, the emergence of mass timber in the past five years has really been a great building technology. The idea of using less, and especially with carbon. So that system itself utilizes 75% less carbon than you know, when you compare it to a steel building. Because remember, when you're building with steel, you got to heat it up, and uh, then you weld it, and then you bring it on site. Uh, and then there's other great things about mass timber. You know, you don't have to layer on all the trades that you do when you uh, build a steel building. And so then in turn, when people may talk about well, what about the cost of mass timber? Well, mass timber itself, it fluctuates with steel and concrete. But the other nice thing about it, too, is that when you're talking of, about schedule, which, you know, longer durations of projects take you know, more money to build, you can utilize mass timber in a way that reduces construction time. So I think it's ultimately, well, I think it, a lot of this comes down to a lot of education um, and understanding uh, how all these things work together. I totally see that, right? When you think about the way things have been done forever, we've been building buildings for a long time. So there often is a lot of effort needed to change the momentum of something like real estate as a whole, which is quite large. Yeah, and like mass timber is really, I mean, everybody's familiar with heavy timber construction. I mean, farmhouses, you know, that you see in rolling hills across America. Now this is just a more sophisticated, more widespread use of the material uh, now that uh, manufacturing and uh, all this has now crept into a whole new level of sophistication for us to build buildings. Do you see a lot more of that? I mean, we uh, we just had a story about mass timber and how it could uh, cut down on, on construction time, as you said. Uh, yeah. it could be, you know, it's a 
surprisingly fire resistant, experts were telling us, even though, um, you know, your, your first thought might be, oh, it's a, it's a wood building. But there's a couple of these buildings popping up in Austin. Will we see more, you think? Absolutely. I think the availability of the material is starting to become more prevalent. I, you've always seen it in the Pacific Northwest with the amount of timber they, they have there. But there have been new plants that have opened up more regionally close to Texas, you know, one in Arkansas, for example. So as the material is more readily available and it's, and it's handled and forested correctly, you're going to see the emergence of this a lot. There's something architecturally also about it that is just really significant. You know, going into this warm, beautiful environment, you know, if you're a developer and you're creating you know, new buildings that are attractive and you need tenants in them, it's a two-for-one kind of win with this. You get to build this beautiful building that everybody wants to be in, but you also get to do something that's a more sustainable technology. Sure, a differentiator, which right now can count for a lot. On the sustainability topic, are there any misconceptions right now among the development community or the construction community? Well, I think cost is always a driver. And when we approach projects, we always, we do basic things that many people may not even know about because they don't cost extra, but there are you know, items even with our specifications that tell contractors the quality and level of things that we want to build that initiate sustainable practices. So it's the deeper conversations as we go through and work with clients to understand as we build projects, what's the payoff for some of these attributes we want to put into the building. And as a firm, what we do is we educate our clients on that. We run different scenarios, daylight modeling, energy modeling, to tell our clients and our contractors that if it costs X to put a more premium technology into your building, uh, that it'll pay itself off. So that premium you're paying for could pay off in five years. And so from there, your building is, is consuming less energy. It's, it's easier to operate. And so the story just starts to snowball into a lot of great ideas to talk from and, and educate everybody on why we think building in a greener way is just the smarter way to build buildings. Right, because it often, or it can involve more of an upfront cost, but thinking about the lifetime of a building, which I think real estate investors are used to when they look at the amortization of a building and look at you know kind of the, the projection, right? But making sure that accounts for something like sustainability built into the building, right? And I, I've heard from, on the capital markets, I don't know how much, you know, um, you're involved in that, but that you command a premium just by being lead certified, other things that that appeal to the investors that are buying these buildings eventually too, after the development process. Yeah, nobody wants to build a building that only lasts for five years. <laughs> that, that becomes kind of hard to, to do business with. So, you know, understanding how different structural systems, MEP systems, all these components that create a building work together uh, for a longer period of time and, you know, are just less expensive to operate, I think is attractive for any developer, uh, any owner that is you know, looking to make a significant impact in the built environment. Next, David Dalton talks about the importance of sustainability when Texas Business Minds continues. At Texas Mutual, we know the importance of protecting your employees on the road. We create driving safety programs to help keep your people and your bottom line safe. Together, we can reduce driving accidents and drive Texas business forward. Business is safer, stronger, better with Texas Mutual. At Independent Financial, we know you work hard for your business. That's why we work hard for you. Ready to get down to business? Let's talk at ifinancial.com slash business. Independent Financial. Banking for business. Banking for life. 
we've seen sustainability become a topic that uh, of the utmost importance in real estate and across the wider business community. But it's an example of something that's changed over our careers. And and uh, and I wonder if we could reflect on your career. And you've been at Kirksey for for a while, right? For some time. Yeah, so I've been at Kirksey for 15 years this September. I've been in the profession for 18, going on 19. And a lot of the focus that I've I've had in my career has really been on the private sector. So a lot of commercial office building, commercial interior, since being in Austin, more multifamily work. And architecture is just something I knew I was going to be an architect when I was 14 years old and got into a drafting class. It was this connection between math, uh, art, and something that it was you could touch, see, and feel. And once I got into college, I went to University of Houston. I got a job in my freshman year, my studio class freshman year. My professor had just started a firm, and he was talking to a grad student who uh, mentioned that, you know, use AutoCAD and everything. And I said, hey, I actually did that in high school. And he said, how much you want to make? I said, I don't care. And from there, there was uh, some connections I made to get my first job. And then I got to Kirksey in 2008. And the culture and the environment was just something uh, that I connected with. And as I kind of moved up into the position I am now, um, I've just been really lucky to work with immensely talented people who come from the best place. And I've learned so much from them. Uh, And so now being in Austin and being a leader here, it was an easy transition because there was almost a no-fail opportunity with everybody who was around me. And so it's almost as if, you know, as long as I'm steering in the same direction, we're not going to mess this up. But the opportunity to help refine the culture and continue what we've done for the past 51 years in a new city that we believe in and and love being in was a great fit. And when we think about growth, we think about really talented people and we think about why we want to do projects with great people and we want to build them the right way. I think as long as we keep that reputation intact and, and we keep those ideas intact. We're going to do great in Austin. You mentioned culture a few times, which is something that is very tricky for me as a manager as well. I try to talk about it and uh, impart it every day, but like, is it something that you can overtly do or does that organically come? Like what's your process for staying on top of that? If it is kind of something that is a differentiator and something that you kind of pride yourself on at the firm. I think this is a bit, uh, maybe a universal statement. Maybe you, this resonates with you, but I think projects are become easier when you have a great process. It's the people that are tough. And, and, I, and I mean that not just from the people within your organization. I mean, everybody that you touch, clients, contractors in our world, consultants. I think it takes a special nuance when it comes to people to connect with them, understand them, but also have the foundation of what you are as a group uh, that needs to resonate with them as well. We love doing fun things in the office. We started that in Houston. We do a chili cook-off around the rodeo there. When we moved here, uh, that kind of morphed into a, a salsa showdown. Is I mean, it's Austin, so you got to do something taco-centric. And it's just a, a way for us to connect uh, as human beings first. And therein lies the ability to instill trust within one another. Because for architecture and in many industries, it is a team sport. There is no one person... Uh, who is going to carry your project from beginning to end without help. And so the more you're able to connect, the more you're able to gather from the people that are great around you, I think it just, the momentum just builds. And next thing you know, you've got these wonderful people in a wonderful organization 
that as long as you're making these small corrections to a culture that you believe in, then the organization is, is this wonderful machine that you're so proud to watch. Connecting with somebody as a human, right? I mean, it right. sounds simple, and it is simple. Like, it, it's, uh, it's straightforward, but, I mean, it's hard to do sometimes. And sometimes it means being vulnerable, even as a leader. It does. And I think it's hard, and everybody experiences this, it's hard to come to work every single day and always put the smile on and be this engaging, fun person. And at those times, those are, I think, the biggest moments where you can rely on the people around you. The trust you have, not just within the day-to-day business and activities you do as a professional, but also as a human. There's a lot of great things to be said when you're around folks that you know and believe in that can carry you in days that you're just you're just not on top of your A game. You know, you spent a big chunk of your career at Kirksey, Dave, but I wonder if you have any advice for others about continuing to grow and learn within a single organization, if there's anybody you look to or, or uh, if you've had to carve that path out on your own there, how has that worked for you? You know, when I came to Kirksey in 2008, I think one thing that was actually special about Kirksey is that there were so many people who started their career there and are still there. Right off the bat, I think of uh, Randall Walker, uh, who's an, another executive vice president, who I think he joined in 1974 and so to understand this, I, I got licensed back in 2015. I was born in 1981. So he's literally been practicing architecture since I've been alive. There's something about seeing someone who's, in my opinion, has been really successful, staying within one organization. And so when you see that, you really have to start to think, well, why would somebody want to maintain being in one place? And I think you know, today, I think we see a lot of people that jump around a lot. And while I think experience in, in more than one organization is very valuable, I also really clamor to people that believe in working through one organization because I think to do that, you've had to have failed internally a few times, corrected it, and gotten it right. That's a long-term, sometimes a struggle, but a long-term success. And to be around for 50-plus years, I think that echoes determination and a lot of forthright in trying to push through what you believe your organization should be and making it successful. Exactly. My thinking is that even within a single organization, it's never a straight path, right? There's different ways you might go, different things you might try. And I just, um, that's interesting experience. Thank you for sharing, because even if someone stays in a company their whole career, there's probably learning experiences, failures, things that, you know, you hit a dead end and you got to turn around and and reconsider where you're going. Absolutely. You know, and in speaking within the realms of architecture, we would love to say we get it right every single time. And to be a successful firm, you do need to get it right a lot of the time. But having the honesty and integrity to work with the people that um, you respect the most, your clients, your consultants, and being honest about, hey, I, maybe I missed this or could we, could we take another look at that? I think that helps the long-term success of an organization. The more times that you take the path of honesty and integrity, the more times I think you find success. When we first got here, that was one of the questions. I asked as we got to know the Austin community was not who had the most work. It was who were the best people to work with because those long-term relationships, which I think our firm has done a really great job with are the foundation of longevity in making sure that it's not, you're not operating transactionally. You're operating through a relationship with people that are great at what they do. And as far as uh, instilling culture, right? I think you even bringing that kind of answer to bear speaks a lot about uh, about your leadership style. Hey, I got two kind of fun questions for you to take us off here, if that's okay. All right, shoot, let's go. 
All right. So you're an architect, right? What's your favorite part of, you know, built Austin? Ooh, I really, the Arrive Hotel is a building that when we got into town, I, I really liked the concrete work on that building and just the concept of how the stories themselves is just kind of manipulated between one another. And there's this fluidity in that building that is brick and concrete. So to, to get that type of motion in a very heavy material, I think, uh, is really great. And I don't know who designed it. So whoever designed it, kudos, obviously, to you. Um, I was going to ask if you were, you're involved at all, but no, you're saying just it, it struck you as a passerby. Yes, absolutely. That's a really cool building. And funny enough, now that we've moved into you know, East Austin, uh, everybody that comes into town usually usually stays there. And then we go to Whistler's like we, like we did last week. So it's a great location, too. That, that's a good one-two combo if I've heard one. Yeah. Last thing, let's say you're king of Austin for a day. What are you using with your uh, kingly wand or whatever it is? But what's your one thing you're doing as king of Austin for the day? Oh, finding the solution to mass transit in our city. Our environment is so special. And it is. And since we've been here for the past you know, going on six years, we love being in Austin. And to find the solution that allows everyone to move more freely around the city. And I get it. Urban environment is always going to have traffic. But if we could pin that down, I just, we would all just be happier people, I think. I think it's a really good point. And we try to cover transit as well as just movement of, of people and goods from a business issue because that's something that CEOs talk about. It's worker productivity, it's quality of life. And man, that's a tough one to pin down when we've seen, you know, pretty much more growth than any other big metro uh, in the past, well, at least the past decade, maybe more. But yeah, I know a lot of uh, heads are committed to trying to figure that out right now, but it is a tough nut to crack. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much, David, for joining us on Texas Business Minds. It was a pleasure learning more about Kirksey, and uh, hopefully there'll be another chance for us to talk again soon. Absolutely, Will. It was great to sit and talk about all the things that we love to do, and it was a pleasure to be with you, man. David Dalton joining us. Thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Texas. Brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. And by Independent Financial, banking for business, banking for life. Learn more at ifinancial.com.